Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to the call, week 15. I can't believe that it's already week 15. Like, time has flown and it's terrible because it means we've only got about three more weeks until it's time to really fucking make money in the playoffs. I'm Joe, the keeper of the real, at BMATFTS, and this is my co-host, Alex. Or it would be if he wasn't stuck in the middle of finals and totally wrapped up. Uh, everybody, give your best thoughts to Alex. He's going to need him this week. But if I keep on betting the way I did last week alone, this might just become a solo pod because last week went pretty well. And I've been looking at the slate for this week. <laughs> oh, boy. I love this slate. So without further ado, I guess we should just jump right in. Our first game is Thursday Night Football, Kansas City Chiefs going to sunny Los Angeles, by which I mean Inglewood, to take on the San Diego Chargers. The Chargers are catching three at minus 105, and boy, is that shit juicy. So already this week has been crazy with COVID, uh, and we're not going to talk about COVID because that's not why anybody fucking comes here. My doctorate is in law, not medicine. This being said, there are a couple of funky matchups that arise because of COVID. So Rashawn Slater has been a fucking stalwart, like better than I expected at left tackle for the Chargers this year. And he'll be out because of COVID. I'm 99% sure that that is like done deal. He can't come back if he wanted. Like he could test negative every second from now until the game. And I don't think that he would be allowed to come back. That means that they're probably going to be starting Trey Pipkins at left tackle, who is, I would say he's actually a pretty decent swing tackle. PFF mildly disagrees, but he's got a little bit of starting experience and I like him. I mean, like, you know, amongst backup tackles. So all of this together means that the Chargers are going to be missing both of their starting tackles. It's going to be Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton, which lucky for them, they have incredible tackle depth because both of those dudes are like serviceable NFL players, like they're bad starters, but they could totally start on a shitty team like the Jaguars. And also lucky for them, the Chiefs edge rush is not good. Frank Clark is getting healthy and starting to play better, but he has still been bad. And even when Frank Clark is at Frank Clark's best, he's not great. He's a lot of a name. And frankly, I don't know how he keeps on getting away with violent crime and being just okay at football, but here we are. On the other end, Melvin Ingram has actually had a really resurgent season. Um, he's been really solid, just like he, he's setting edges and he is rushing passers. And he's doing both really well. And this is a bit of a revenge game for him. So we're going to have to be on the lookout. Luckily, the Chiefs interior has been ravaged by COVID too, because Chris Jones is out. I think that the Chiefs, or I think that the Chargers are going to be able to get lots of double teams on the edges because the Chiefs aren't exactly a blitzing team. Their linebackers don't come through the middle very often. And as bad as the tackles are for the Chargers, their guards are actually, their interior is really good. They got Corey Lindsley, who's a great center. They got Filer and Schofield, who are both, well, Matt Filer is a really good guard. And then Schofield's like a serviceable guard. I think they're going to be able to get double teams out on the edges because I think that they're going to be able to have Lindsay just lock up Jerron Reed. And frankly, I don't think that the Chiefs have much in the way of an interior rush outside of Chris Jones. One thing they might do, and this is what they would do if they were smart, if they kick Frank Clark into defensive tackle, where I think he's more effective anyway, you could put Alex Okafor at his edge spot, and then you have a similar edge rushing presence 
but a much improved defensive interior. Either way, I just don't think that the Chargers are going to have too much of a problem blocking up the Chiefs' defensive line. That won't be where they fail. Furthermore, the Chargers are going to have their full complement of receivers back. So Keenan Allen will be back. Mike Williams never left. And Kenny Guyton is still going to be taking the top off the defense. Like aside from losing both of their tackles, this is the fast or the healthiest that the Chargers have been all year. And the Chargers, I don't think they've played a game with both of their offensive tackles yet. This is basically going to come down to how real the same or the Chiefs secondary is. Because right now PFF has Rashad Fenton at third cornerback overall. They have Mike Hughes at the fifth cornerback overall. And they have Traverius Ward at the 20th cornerback overall. And I think that's crazy. The Chiefs have been surviving based not solely, but significantly off of luck, bad teams, and turnovers. Say what you will about this Chargers offense. I don't love the way that it's set up, but it is not a turnover-prone approach to the game. Additionally, it will it will kind of hone in on what the Chiefs' secondary's biggest weakness is, which is their ball skills. In order to stop this Chiefs or this Chargers offense, you're going to need to have great ball skills. You're going to need to not only have great leverage, which I'll give you. Mike Hughes has awesome leverage. He's always in position. But you're also going to have to jump routes. You're going to have to get your arms in there because it's so many quick things. And when it's not quick things, it's downfield things to skyscraper wide receivers and it's well-thrown jump balls. So I, I think that the Chargers are actually kind of uniquely suited to take the ball down the field on these Chiefs and score some points. PFF grades be damned. I don't think that the Chiefs have the best secondary in the NFL. And as much as I love Willie Gay Jr., I don't think that their linebacking core is going to be effective enough to really shut down that quick game over the middle. We also did see some encouraging signs last week with the Chargers actually allowing Herbert to go downfield, which is what he does best and needs to do so much more of. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes still isn't good. And like I know it feels weird to say, but Patrick Mahomes has been a not very good quarterback this year. Like, I'm not comfortable saying it, and I've been on this, you know, I've been on these streets talking about how Patrick Mahomes is a little bit hype for a long time. And don't get me wrong, uh, like, that, just because it's uncomfortable, though, doesn't mean that it's not real. Like, and that's my job, right? I'm the keeper of the real. I've graded three, six, nine. I've graded 10 Patrick Mahomes games. So I've missed roughly three weeks. So far in those games, he had a B against Cleveland in week one. Good for him there. But then it's C minus, C plus, F, 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 D, C, C minus, C plus. For a composite grade on the year, his average performance grade is a 1.4, which is a D plus. If, if you went to high school and you know GPAs, he's got a D plus GPA. That's insanity. That's insanity. And no, I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is like a failed quarterback. And he has a ton of value because even when he's bad, he gives you that big explosive play, right? Like he's not particularly good at taking the checkdowns. He's not particularly good at reading a progression. But what he can do that not many other dudes can do is launch the ball deep and throw from insane angles. And he has just incredible creativity. Well, the problem is that the Chargers are custom made to take creativity and deep plays out of the fucking index. As much as it pains me, Brandon Staley is in love with the quasi-prevent defense. He will give you the middle of the field. He will give you the 7 to 15-yard routes. Eh, maybe 7 to 13-yard routes. Let's give him a little credit. That's what his defense is like made for, right? So Tyreek Hill is not going to be singled up, literally ever. There's always going to be a safety over the top with him, which is good because the Chargers cornerbacks aren't exactly great <laughs> by great. I mean, I honestly, I don't think I would start any of the three players that they have starting. 
I do think that Asante Samuel will play, and I think that that'll be really helpful for the Chargers, especially against a guy like Hill, because he can actually run with him a little bit, not totally, but a little bit, and he's really smart in zones. He can pass him off really well. I also think that while Chris Harris Jr. is a total shell of himself, he'll be able to lock down Byron Pringle. And this is part of the Mahomes calculus, but while the Chargers don't have a good defensive line, like Jerry Tillery is a a huge disappointment. And then Joey Bosa is very good, but that's it. (laughs) That's the whole defensive line right there because Nchenna Nwosu is nothing and that they don't really have a second defensive tackle in nickel, like as much as they would love one. And the Chiefs offensive line is awesome. Like just go down the line. Trey Smith, imagine that five-star recruits who get stuck in bad programs can still play football. Creed Humphrey, imagine that dudes who are awesome in college are going to be awesome at the next level. And then with Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown Jr. at, you know, manning the left side of the line, that's excellent. Andrew Wiley's a problem at right tackle. Not really a, yeah, he's a little bit of a problem. And that is probably where Joey Bosa will be lining up, but it doesn't actually matter because Mahomes invites pressure. He pats the ball and he doesn't really know how to maneuver a pocket. If you're patient, you will get clean shots at him because he will walk into them. It's, it's kind of like what I said about Aaron Rodgers last week on Monday Night Football. He will walk into an edge like an unsupervised toddler. That's why they sell those little plastic guys that you put on corners of tables and shit. Toddlers like to walk in edges. So do Mahomes and Rodgers. One of the big weaknesses of the Chargers defense is that they just get gashed in the run game. But the, first of all, we know the Chiefs don't fucking do that. They don't run the ball. And second of all, their running backs just aren't very good. And they're not the type that gashes the Chiefs. The Chiefs get gashed by dudes with good vision and particularly guys who will break the first tackle because the Chargers play light in the box, which means that there's lots of safeties and cornerbacks on the field. And a significant part of their their running problem is that they just can't wrap up. Like they'll get a hit, but it's not a real hit. And any real running back will be able to break through and make some shit happen. But Williams and Edwards Alaire are not tackle breaking running backs. They are slight. They are quick guys. You know, much in the mold that Andy Reid running backs typically are, because Andy Reid thinks of running backs the same way I would, which is as a designated screen guy who can also probably pass block. Overall, I think that I think there are a couple global narratives I want to touch on before I make this pick. But if you've been paying attention to the NFL, everybody's been talking about how the Chiefs are back and now they're doing it with defense. But now the offense is starting to come back because look at how many points they put on the Raiders. 21 of those points came off of extremely short fields, drives that started in or very close to the red zone, uh, as well as one defensive touchdown. So, you know, the rumors of the offense is return are greatly exaggerated. Additionally, the defense has been getting by in large part based on forcing turnovers and then getting out to huge leads and just kind of like, well, excuse me. Last week, they got off to a huge lead and the game was just over. Like the Raiders clearly quit after the first quarter. But let's look at some of the other games that they've played lately. I'm not really impressed that they ganged up on Jordan Love. He's terrible. I'm not really impressed that they beat down on the Giants. I'm not really impressed that they swallowed up Denver. I'm not really impressed that Oakland can't score on them. I'm a little impressed that they held Dallas down, but as bad as Dak has been playing, and considering the fact that the Cowboys were shorthanded at wide receiver and offensive line, it's mediocre impressiveness. I could be more impressed is what I'm trying to say. So I think that's a team whose star is a little bit higher in the sky than it should be. And while I think that the Chargers are serially overrated, Justin Herbert is a better quarterback right now 
and I'm, I'm fairly low on Justin Herbert relative to the masses, but he's a better quarterback right now. He's probably a better quarterback going forward, and he was probably a similar quarterback last year. And while there is a massive coaching mismatch between Andy Reid, probably the greatest of all time, and Brandon Staley, who is a total fraud, the way that you beat the Chargers is running the ball and short shit. The way that the Chiefs beat you on offense is broken plays downfield. The Chiefs' biggest weakness is they can't run the ball. It's just a matchup problem. On, you know, on the other end, somewhat ironically, the Chargers' offense is predicated upon doing the short shit, doing it well. The Chiefs' defense is predicated upon, honestly, it's kind of a funky defense. It's not predicated, it doesn't have a signature thing, but their cornerbacks are best at staying in phase. They're the type of dudes that will get in the right spot. They might just not make the play. You've got jump ball receivers with awesome ball skills. You've got a quarterback who knows how to utilize them. You've got lots of quick routes and you've got the occasional jump ball deep. That is a recipe for success, if you ask me, for the Chargers. We're going to take the Chargers plus the three at the minus 105. Let's lock it in. All right. I guess that means that it's time to jump over to the Sunday games. Oh, it's not because this is a special week. We get three days of football. We go to the Saturday games and we've got the Cleveland Browns hosting the L or the not LA Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, whoever the fuck the Raiders are playing for these days. And Cleveland is now laying only three down from laying seven before COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah. You may have heard that the Browns are going to be missing at least eight starters due to COVID. Uh, they will be missing both of so in total due to injuries and COVID combined, they're going to be missing both of their offensive tackles, which means that Blake Hans eh, eh, and James Hudson eh, are going to be starting for the Browns, as well as their right their right guard Teller is going to be out and his backup Forbes. So they're going to be down to something called a Dunn, which kind of a Dunn. I want to say Vince, but I know that's a hockey player. This is a Michael Dunn. Uh, apparently, he's played a little bit. He's a second year player out of Maryland and in 2020 he actually put together a decent season as a backup for the Dolphins I can't pretend I know who the fuck he is but hey it probably doesn't matter that the Browns have no tackles right because they're playing the Raiders wrong because Max Crosby is fucking elite for my money he's probably the third or fourth best defensive end in the NFL behind TJ Watt and Miles Garrett Luckily for the Browns, the Raiders really don't have anything else, like at all, like anything at all. They've got Casey Hayward, who actually is still a solid corner, but he's probably going to have to cover Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is a lot bigger than him and a lot faster than him. Not that it matters a ton because the Browns are just terrible. Baker Mayfield has been playing really well this season, uh, especially lately, now that he's getting healthier. If you don't agree, that's awesome. You're probably a stupid motherfucker. You've probably watched like two Browns games. But hey, your opinion's probably better than mine, right? That's why I listen to my podcast. Um, I don't want to bet on the Browns here because just generally, the Browns minus three is a bad proposition. Uh, if you listen to the recap pod, I went deep on how the Browns philosophy is basically, and by deep, I mean like two minutes because the whole pod's less than a half hour. But I went in on how the Browns philosophy is effectively, if we have 10 points lead, that's nine points we can spend on wasting time to try to just get the game over. Like the Browns will never try to cover. They will take their foot off the gas as often as they can. They will win left-handed as often as they can because their coach has no penis or balls. I don't see this being a particularly high scoring game. And I think that the Browns will probably let the Raiders back into it. But I also think that the Raiders have probably given up on their season, whereas the Browns literally couldn't have anything more to play for. 
I don't think that losing Jarvis Landry means much of anything for the Browns because it just means they'll probably have to play Rashard Higgins more. And I think that Rashard Higgins is a better player, despite the fact that apparently he's a head case that can't get on the field. But really, the Raiders are just a bad defense with two decent corners and one edge rusher. And that's basically it. Everything else is subpar. Like the kind of shit that you want from backups. Uh, on the other end, the Browns' defense is largely intact. I mean, they've got both of their defensive ends. They got both their defensive tackles. They got the linebackers that matter. They got the safeties that kind of matter. Their corners are intact and pretty good. And basically, all the Raiders are any good at is throwing the ball to Hunter Renfro. It's not that their outside receivers are bad. It's just that they're not particularly good. It's not that their tight ends are bad at all. It's just that they're missing Darren Waller, who's the best tight end in the NFL. And then it's not that their offensive line is bad. It's just that four of their players on the offensive line are terrible. Like really, really, really bad. Alex Leatherwood probably shouldn't be in the NFL. Uh, He's not only the worst tackle in the league, but also the worst guard. And I don't see any room for improvement. He's terrible. If he played for any team besides Alabama, I don't think he gets drafted. So they can't run the ball simply because they can't create the space. And they can't throw the ball downfield particularly well because they can't really create the time. And when they can create the time, they don't really have the deep threat because Deshaun Jackson is a one-trick pony. And it's very obvious what he's doing every time he lines up. And Derek Carr has returned to panicking and throwing the ball short or eating a sack. Derek Carr hates pressure. He's one of these quarterbacks who's especially susceptible to pressure and the Browns are going to get it. They've got the best edge rusher in the league. They've got Jadevian Clowney, who's low-key elite. They got Tack McKinley, who is a specialist. You just want to have him blitz from off ball. Just run a straight line as fast as he can because he's good at that. I foresee the Browns winning this game despite the injuries. And I probably will personally bet it and somehow tease it down with an anchor to get to under the minus three. I'll probably try to get it down to minus two. But I don't know if it'll be a pod pick. So we'll put that on the maybe list over here. But I would be surprised if we bet it. All right. The late game on Saturday night. We've got the New England Patriots, who are apparently a Super Bowl contender. Ha! Versus the Indianapolis Colts, who are just trying to get into the playoffs. And the Colts are minus two. But how? The New England Patriots are the most likely matchup for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. That's some bullshit. If you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you. Just pay me up front in cash and I'll go get it. The Colts are a better team through and through. And I know that that's my handicap for every Patriots game, but they can't just keep getting lucky. The Patriots should have probably lost to the Bills last week in the weather. They probably should have. The Bills missed a field goal. The Bills ended the game on the doorstep of the goal line. The Bills moved the ball way better. The Patriots broke one lucky run and the Bills scored a touchdown on one lucky fumble off of Nkeel Harry's head. It was a very evenly matched game. And frankly, I think the Bills were significantly better on the field. I think the Bills missed two field goals in that game, if I'm not mistaken, which was the difference in the game, as well as going for it on fourth down because they had missed those two field goals when they could have very easily kicked another. If that game is played inside, it's a fucking blowout. And I don't really care to hear anything more. If you disagree, you can skip to the next game because you're a dumbass and you're emotional. I need to stop being so condescending to my fans, but I'm very frustrated with the 
Patriots because average teams shouldn't be able to go on six game winning streaks unless, of course, they play one tough opponent in a tornado. They play the Cleveland Browns with a billion injuries, including to their quarterback, who are just a sloppy fucking mess. And I will give the Patriots one thing. They are probably the most disciplined, prepared team in the NFL, year in and year out. Like, yeah, they can beat the Jets. They can beat the Falcons. Like They can beat shitty teams every single time with a consistency that few other teams manage. But the Colts are a lot better than any of those teams. The Colts are probably better than the Bills. And we saw how that turned out. And this game will be played indoors. So let's go to the on-field matchup. The Colts have two wide receivers on the outside who are okay. I don't think that Michael Pittman's a good matchup for J.C. Jackson because they're both long and have great ball skills despite, I don't want to say lacking speed, but it's not their featured tool. J.C. Jackson doesn't blanket people in coverage because he's so fast. He does it because he's big, quick, and has great instincts. And frankly, jumps stones like Asante Samuel used to. That's how he creates a lot of interceptions. Like He'll create interceptions on dudes he's not covering because he just reads the play well. He's very smart. Michael Pittman Jr. is similar in that he's got a little bit of jump ball artist to his game, and he can actually move a lot better than I thought he could coming out of college. But he's not going to... Michael Pittman Jr. is probably not just blowing past you unless you fuck up. In order to beat the Patriots' passing game, you have to target Jalen Mills, who, while I like, is not a starting quarter. T.Y. Hilton can do that and can tear him up a little bit. It's just a matter of health and if they actually use him. Uh, the Colts' offensive line is very good. I don't care that PFF thinks that Quentin Nelson is the 46th-ranked guard in the league. I know he's better than that. I don't care if PFF thinks that Ryan Kelly is one of the worst centers in the entire NFL. I know he's better than that. I don't think that the Colts will have the luxury of being able to throw to their tight ends, which they love to do, just because I think that Kyle Duggar, while a flawed player, will be effective in taking that option away from them. But I do think that the Colts will be able to run the ball. They've got a very good offensive line. The Colts also have a very good running back. Jonathan Taylor should be back. He is great. And if he's not, they still have dudes I really like, like Naheem Hines. Patriots have big, slow linebackers who aren't very good in Bentley and Hightower. They've got a solid defensive interior between Christian Barmore and Devon Godshaw. And then Matt Judon and Kyle Van Noy are extremely serviceable defensive ends, but not anything more. And I know that a lot of people say, like, oh, but look at Judon. Oh, he makes all these sacks. Like, he makes all these big plays. And that's a lot because of coaching. That's a lot. They use a lot of stunts and they use a lot of delayed blitzes and they're very creative. Bill Belichick, I, again, I don't like him as a coach, but I think that Bill Belichick could turn any starting defensive end in the entire NFL into at least a 10 sack guy. He's really good at creating pressure out of nothing. So I think that the Colts game plan is going to be run the ball with Taylor a lot and try to find ways to get T.Y. Hilton on Jalen Mills or, oh, God forbid, Michael Pittman Jr. on Jalen Mills and victimize him. The Colts also have the significantly better quarterback in this game because, quietly, Carson Wentz has put together a decent season. He's started protecting the ball over the last month or so, and we all know how explosive he can be. He will put the ball in harm's way, but I also envision that Mac Jones will put the ball in harm's way. We'll get to that in a minute. I think that the Colts will be able to score some points here. I don't think that they'll be able to run the ball, or I don't think they'll be able to run the score up. I don't think this total is in the 50s. But let's see, their projected, their projected total is 
roughly 25. I think they can get to 25 points. Oh, yeah. Let's flip to the other side of the ball. The Patriots offense has a killer offensive line. I would argue it's probably the best in football right now because the Packers are so decimated and the Cowboys can't ever seem to get five offensive linemen healthy at the same time. The Patriots also run the ball pretty well. And even without Damian Harris, I don't think it'll matter because Brandon Bolden is solid and Ramondre Stevenson is impressively hard to tackle. But all this being said, I don't think it's going to matter too much because you don't want to run on these Colts. That's actually the way that they're best at stopping people. DeForest Buckner is a freak at defensive tackle, and Grover Stewart's a great run stuffer. So I don't think that the middle is the way to go. Yeah, like, yeah, Ted Karras, David Andrews, and Shaq Mason is a formidable trio on the interior. But God forbid you beat those two defensive tackles. Now you've got Bobby Okereke and Darius Leonard to beat. I, I'm not confident that that's the smartest way to go. Then on the outside, you've got Quiddy Pay, who I think is mostly just a safety blitzing. Maybe now he's a linebacker blitzing. He seems to have put on a little weight since coming to the NFL, but he's not particularly great in the run run game. On the other end, Al-Qadim Muhammad is much better at stopping the run. I would say he's probably a run penetrator first before he is a pure pass rusher. And frankly, both of the safeties on the Colts are are good, if not built to, good at, if not built to stopping the run. Andrew Sandejo should be a strong safety, but for some reason teams keep on paying him to play free safety. And then their strong safety, Kari Willis, is damn near a linebacker. And he's very good at that, but that's what he is. Now, when they're in their nickel defense, which they will be pretty often, and they will run cover to pretty vanilla. The Colts are famous for running one of the most plain Jane defenses that there is. And I am sure that Josh McDaniels has a plan for how to stop it or start it or whatever. Josh McDaniels is going to figure out a way to move the ball. I do not think, first of all, I don't think the Patriots are ever going to be very good at passing in the red zone when the field is condensed because Mac Jones isn't good under pressure and doesn't have that much arm talent. And down in the red zone, you need arm talent. You can't really win the scheme as often. The cornerbacks are going to be the problem for the Colts. So the Colts will let you get the short shit and their corners aren't particularly great at stopping it. The way to beat cover two is with short routes. And that's what the Patriots major in on offense. And then just try to create yards after the catch. Luckily for the Colts, the Patriots aren't actually very good at creating yards after the catch. I know that Kendrick Bourne has broken off some long runs after the catch, but I don't think it's sustainable. I really don't. I I, I am not moved by his abilities as a ball carrier. I think that the Colts will probably try to match up Xavier Rhodes on him. If not, it'll be Nelson Aguilar. If, If Xavier Rhodes lines up on Bourne, I think that that's a really good matchup for the Colts. Not because Rhodes is good, but because Rhodes plays a similar style, using his length, tackling hard. Bourne is a possession receiver with some yards after the catch ability. Rhodes is built to tackle and stop possession receivers because he's so big and strong. So I like that matchup. Aguilar is fast as shit, quick as all fuck. And honestly, I think he's probably better after the catch too, but the Patriots just don't use him after the catch. Aguilar is their deep threat. He will try to take the top off and that's what he's really good at. If he's lined up on roads, he will get deep, but because it's a cover two, Sandejo will be over the top, meaning that it'll still at least be a contested throw, and Matt Jones is not good enough to hit that shit. Jacoby Myers in the slot is going to actually have his hands full because Kenny Moore is a legitimate slot corner. I kind of like him. You know, he's a little bit of a jitterbug and he's not as fast as I would like him to be, but he's one of those guys that just seems to get it. He's got good ball skills and he is aggressive. He, he wants to play football. Overall, the way to beat this Colts defense theoretically is to have an outside threat who can 
abuse Xavier Rhodes in the short routes just by being way too quick for him and then make him miss on a tackle. You can't really break, you can't expect your wide receivers to break Xavier Rhodes' tackles because he is a safety, basically, but you can make a miss. I don't think Kendrick Bourne is built to make him miss. I don't think that they are going to use Nelson Aguilar in the short game the way that they probably should. And I think that Rocky Austin is good enough at the other end to just kind of finish off whatever job Xavier Rhodes doesn't take. I've probably gone too long on this game because it should be a really simple game, but... Let's do it. This one's also for sure. We're going to take the Indianapolis Colts minus two at 110. Get it while you can over the New England Patriots. All right. Now we can jump to Sunday. The first game is a fucking killer. Arizona Cardinals going to face the Detroit Lions. Detroit's catching 13 and a half. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this game. I think that the Cardinals are frauds and they probably only win one more game between now and next year. I think this is probably that game. As much as I love the job that Dan Campbell has done and it is commendable. I am not going to sit here and pretend like the Lions have a shot in this game. They got their win. It was big and it was emotional. Hell, they even got a tie. They're going to check out. They can want to fight for Dan Campbell all they want, but there's just not much to play for. The Arizona Cardinals are fairly good, and they'll be pissed off after a big loss. They'll want to get right, and they're going to score points. The smart money takes the Lions, and I do lean that way, just because the Lions never seem to let anything get totally out of hand, but the Cardinals win this game, and it's a decent leg. We'll see. There might be some better legs out there, but it's a pretty decent leg. All right, next up, we've got the Carolina Panthers going to play the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo's laying 10.5. Speaking of legs... This is the lock of a lifetime. The Bills are going to fucking roll. Uh, I'm not going to take the 10 and a half because I don't think I have to. I don't love taking big spreads like that. But the Bills are coming off of two heartbreaking losses that they came up just short of. They are fighting for their playoff lives. And Josh Allen has low-key played really well lately. On the other end, the Carolina Panthers are really terrible. Uh, Their quarterback play is the worst in the NFL. Legitimately, I didn't think I would say that, but it is. Their offensive coordinator is no longer Joe Brady, so there goes the silver fucking lining. And as good as their cornerbacks are, I don't think they're good enough to shut down the Bills' awesome plethora of wide receivers. So I think the Bills roll here, and this will be a leg that we we parlay shit with. In fact, right now I'm thinking of parlaying Buffalo money line with Cleveland minus two. Probably get that around even odds. It'll suck to have money from a Saturday game tied up into a Sunday, but that's even odds. Browns minus one and a half and Bills money line. So I'm going to probably do that personally. I don't think we'll make the Browns a pod pick just because there's too much chaos around them and we probably shouldn't. And I think that there are other games I like this. All right, let's move on to NFC North showdown. Dallas Cowboys go to face the New York Giants who will probably have Daniel Jones back. Giants are catching kind of the half. A lot of teaser protection out there. The books are afraid of, uh, books are very afraid of favorites this, this month, really. So, I mean, as bad as Deck Prescott has looked, I think we're going to get a Cowboys route. <laughs> the Giants are significantly worse than the Redskins fo- football team, and uh, the Cowboys just dominated the football team. Again, I don't think it really comes down to offense. I think it really comes down to defense. Andrew Thomas is a good left tackle. 
So just pretend for a second that he totally stifles Randy Gregory. Just takes him out of the fucking game. The rest of that offensive line is weak. So you're going to get Demarcus Lawrence against Nate Solder, the corpse of Nate Solder. That's a win for the defense. And then you're going to get Marka, Micah Parsons coming from somewhere on the line, and he will blitz most plays. He rushes the passer 80% of the time. He effectively plays 3-4 outside linebacker in a 4-3 which is kind of cool and makes him very mul- makes their defense very multiple, even though he's not particularly multiple. I know that he's fast as shit and his agility is actually incredible, but he can't cover because his brain doesn't work so good. If you've heard him talk, you probably heard it. He's whatever. Daniel Jones is one of those panicky quarterbacks who does dumb shit. He will fumble. That's what he does. And the Cowboys will roll. So that's another leg. Go Dallas. After a month of fading the Cowboys, I'm starting a half a month of gassing the tits off them. All right. Our next game is going to be a real doozy. The Houston Texans go to Jacksonville to take on the vaunted Jacksonville Jaguars with both coaches saying one win and, one ne- double. and neither of them deserve to get it. It's that bad. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this game. I don't want to talk about how Trevor Lawrence is being sabotaged. I don't want to talk about how Davis Mills is underrated because Davis Mills is super underrated because he is a C-plus quarterback that's treated like a D quarterback. That's not very actionable. And Trevor Lawrence is totally being sabotaged. But it's not like he's awesome. He's just solid. And it's not like that'll matter at any point this season because Urban Meyer is cancer. Surely the next game will be better, right? Jets at Dolphins. Okay, this should be a drop deadline. It really should. But something irks me about the fact that the Miami Dolphins are on a surge. It's got to end at some point. They're not very good. They are basically the New England Patriots South. They do the same shit. But the Jets are so bad. All it would take, however, for the Jets to put together a, a real showing here is for Zach Wilson to just look decent one time. And he's got enough arm talent to look decent. He seems very stupid, which is something that we keep on saying about these rookie quarterbacks. They just don't understand how to play football. And credit to Mac Jones, he does. So it shows that the league's not way harder and college isn't totally broken. It's just that we keep on drafting guys stupidly. Zach Wilson ganging up on a group of five teams for 12 games in a COVID year probably doesn't make him the third overall pick. His performances against power five teams like Washington and USC, where he was atrocious and turned the ball over like crazy, probably are more indicative of what he will be. But it just takes one game where he puts a few pieces together to cover the eight and a half spread to make this a game. And the Dolphins don't score enough to run away with more than a touchdown. So I'm going to stay away. Luckily, we already have two awesome legs and I don't need to add too many. Moving on, we've got the Tennessee Titans going to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Titans are laying one and a half on the road. And this game is going to come down to, is A.J. Brown healthy? Because if he is, this is my favorite bet of the week. A.J. Brown is eligible to return this week, but it's still kind of up in the air whether or not he actually will. I don't expect that we'll actually hear back for a while, but it seems that PFF expects he may play. Let's assume for now that he doesn't so we can handicap this game. And if he does play, we'll just add a unit to our bet if we like the Titans. I think I like the Titans. I'm pretty sure I like the Titans because I got fucking money on it already. But here we go. The Titans offensive line really put some shit together this year. Roger Saffold is becoming the guy that they signed. And Jesse Davis has actually been a good, not good, or not Jesse Davis, (laughs) Nate Davis. Whoops. (laughs) Nate Davis has become a good-ish starter. Like he can start. He's not 
Good's a strong word, but he is a serviceable starter. Taylor Lewan and Questenberry are legitimate offensive tackles. I actually like the way their offensive line is put together. Everything around it becomes murky. Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback. You can fight me, but he deals in a very quarterback unfriendly offense and he still plays very well. Unfortunately, with A.J. Brown out, his star receiver, his top receiver, is probably not going to be Julio Jones. He'll probably be on a pitch count. It's probably going to be Nick Westbrook-Ikine out of Indiana. And he's actually been better than I thought. I thought he would be terrible, and he has been fine. Now, the slot is going to be a problem because Charles Rogers sucks, and Jeff Schwinn, their tight end, is not a tight end that needs to run passing routes. But Julio Jones is an X-factor. He will play at least 30 snaps. Um, Their plan is basically just to ramp him up and play a few more snaps every week until they get to the playoffs. But I think that they'll play him significantly in this game. I think they really want this game. They're in the hunt for the first overall seed. And with the Patriots having a tough game on Saturday that I think they lose, look for the Titans to know coming into this game that they have a shot here to do something big and take the one seed back. On the other side of the ball, the Steelers offense is fucking terrible. And we saw it against the Vikings. As long as you don't take your foot off their throat, they can't do anything. Big Ben is not good. The wide receivers are mistake prone, if very talented. And the Titans low-key have a good secondary again. They've got Christian Fulton on one end, and he will lock down probably Chase Claypool. They'll probably have him follow Chase Claypool. Elijah Molden is good in the slot, and he can take away whoever they put in the slot, including Deontay Johnson, who is awesome. The safeties on the Titans are fucking incredible, and I say it every week. They will be able to take away Pat Fryermuth, and the pass rush will get home. It'll be really tough to run the ball on these Titans as well, because Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons are fucking studs. I don't want to spend too much more time on this game, but I think that the Steelers are a lot more the Steelers we saw in the first half of last week than the Steelers from the second half. And I think that the Titans are a lot better than the Vikings. So rat line be damned. We got ourselves a bet here. We're going to take the Titans minus two. Shit. We're going to take the Titans minus one and a half. Get it well atop. All right. We'll move to the final game of the early slate of Sunday. We've got the Washington football team going to the Eagles. Eagles are laying four and a half. Let's see who the Eagles are starting at quarterback. Believe it or not, this actually makes a difference to me. I think that Jalen Hurts is much worse matchup than Gardner Minshew in this game. Probably doesn't change my bet. It's just a fact, right? Sharp money has been pouring in on the Eagles again, as usual, but I don't care because the Sharps have lost a lot of money on the Eagles this year. They've made a lot recently, but on the season, I'm pretty sure they're still down. Uh, Shit, I forgot that Kendall Fuller is hurt. All right, Kendall Fuller being out really hurts. But speaking of hurts, the Eagles will be playing Jalen, which is nice for us. Oh, Kendall Fuller is out with COVID. Okay, the football team is just way too banged up to actually bet on them in this game. That is a problem. I actually do not like the value in this game. I like that I'm getting five, four and a half or five points with the football team, but oh God, they're so ravaged on both sides of the ball. So how do the Eagles win? They run with the quarterback run and Miles Sanders. They really don't throw the ball well at all. So we don't have to worry about the fact that the corners are going to be not great for the Redskins. The problem I have is that I don't think that the fucking Redskins have the edges to contain anymore. They're going to be starting Shaka Tony, who is an athlete out of Penn State, but just an athlete. He's not actually good at anything. And I think that that'll be helpful for him to contain, but I don't want... Oh, God, that's fucking rough. This defense is so deteriorated. 
they're really down to their last fucking leg when it comes to the edges. And I don't love their linebackers either. I think I'm just going to stay away from this game. I, I lean to the football team, but the injuries take me out of it. They're missing too many great pieces right now. All right, I'm going to take a break and do a little bit of work for my actual job. You guys will listen to some commercials. And when I'm back, we'll get into the late slate. Kirby is fast, but has no ball skills. And Fuller has just been a wreck. He's been biting on every double move. And it's really, it's been so out of character. And I don't know what to do with it. We're talking about a guy that was an elite corner in 2018, 2017, 2015. He was decent in 2019. He was awesome in 2020. And now he's done. I have these teams literally right next to each other in the power rankings. I have Cincinnati at 19 and Denver at 21. (laughs) Okay, so I have Cincinnati at 19 and Denver at 21 in one of my power rankings. And I have Denver at 19 and Cincinnati at 24 in another of my power rankings. I get the home field advantage, but I don't have the better quarterback. I don't think the difference is significant between Burrow and Bridgewater, but it does exist. (sighs) Fuck, (laughs) this game is really tough. I'm going to lean Broncos. I'm going to lean Broncos because I'm going to put my faith in Vic Fangio that he can create a competent defense, and I'm going to continue to fade the Bengals, who I think are imploding, and Joe Burrow is not very good, despite being really cool and really creative. He's great at last-ditch efforts, but that's not how you win football games consistently. I guess we will move on to the final late game. The Green Bay Packers going to take on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are catching five at home. I think I might be missing something because I adore this game. I'm honestly praying that Lamar Jackson plays. It seems he will. He's got a banged up, he's got banged up ankles, but Lamar Jackson when healthy has been bad this year. Like bad, bad, like not good, bad, not below average, not disappointing, bad, terrible quarterback. Now he's banged up a little bit. He's not going to be as quick. He's not going to be as fast. He'll be a little bit less uh, accepting of physicality, shall we say. It doesn't matter how good the rest of the offense is. Lamar can't really pass, so he can't really utilize the fact that David Andrews is a nightmare. He also will not be able to handle this, this fog coverage that Green Bay runs because, one, it keeps everybody sort of in a zone, which means that they're looking at the quarterback. That's how you get picks. And two, it means that everybody's looking at the quarterback. So if he takes off and runs, everybody is ready to step up on him. You know, it's not it's not like man defense where everybody's turning their back to the run or to the quarterback, but it's also not like a drop zone where everybody is too far away to make a play. Also, Rashawn Gary is the exact type of defensive end you want to face off against Lamar Jackson. And the one, because the Ravens tackles are terrible. And two, because Rashawn Gary wins with power. So he doesn't need to make a finesse move a a spin move or a rip outside move and then run around the edge he doesn't need to do that shit to get home he needs to force his way through and those kind of power rushers give lamar problems because when you don't take a shitty angle on him you keep him in the pocket he's flustered and he will run into sacks he will run the ball when he shouldn't or he will throw the ball which is always a plus. Anytime you can get Lamar Jackson throwing the ball, you've already won. This screams more interceptions. It screams a fumble. I really, really like the defensive matchup against the Ravens. And again, it's mostly because of this fog coverage, which is basically, it's almost like a cover six, but it's like a cover six match. So you've got all of your defensive backs and linebackers like covering a small zone, basically like a quarterback spy, except if a wide receiver enters their zone, they match him and then run man for the rest of the play. 
I think that Eric Stokes is uniquely qualified not to represent the LPC, but to cover Hollywood Brown because I think Eric Stokes might actually be faster and quicker than Hollywood Brown. And on the other end, Russell Douglas just had a fucking killer season. It's really just been impressive. Back when Lamar Jackson was the guy who everybody still thinks that he is, the way to beat Lamar Jackson was to have great safeties. And Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage are good, if not great, safeties. Devondre Campbell cleans up the run really fucking well. And Kenny Clark is probably the best nose tackle since Vince Wilfork. So you give me a team that has powerful edges, good run-stuffing linebackers, and an awesome nose tackle, as well as fast corners and good safeties. That is a recipe to just absolutely fucking confound the Ravens offense. And then on the other side, the Ravens have nothing left on defense. Kalias Campbell's banged up every other game, honestly, every game. (laughs) And then they have nothing in the secondary. Meanwhile, they're facing Aaron Rodgers. Go and get yourself some Aaron Rodgers over bets. He is going to go over the passing total. He is going to score a lot of points. Take the Packers. Oh my God, minus five. I'm loving it. Let me check really quick to see if this line's going to move because it is down. I know that it was seven earlier in the week, but Aaron Rodgers can't be out for COVID for the next two months. So really the rest of the season, you don't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers for COVID. Oh, I'm loving this game. We're going to take the Packers at five because I don't want to let it get away. This game is a fucking killer. This is my best bet of the week, probably. All right. I'm going to say it. I think it's our best bet. Green Bay Packers minus five at Baltimore Ravens. All right, time for prime time. The New Orleans Saints are going to Tampa. And what is left of the New Orleans Saints is going to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are minus 10 and a half. Well, the Saints sure as hell have had the Buccaneers number, but I don't think it'll be enough this week. The Buccaneers are really rounding into form, and Tom Brady is playing pretty damn well. Not as well as he's played this season, actually. He's had a really good season, and the last couple weeks haven't been the pinnacle of it. But the only thing really keeping this from being a drop-dead leg is that it's on Sunday night, so it's kind of inopportune to just have all your money tied up all goddamn day. Tom Brady is the MVP. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. It's not close even a little bit. For once, PFF sees the light and they agree. The offensive line is incredible and will easily stop Marcus Davenport and whoever they roll out as their second defensive end because the Saints are missing, probably going to be missing at least, Cam Jordan, Pete Warner, And then their offensive tackles may be back. I would expect that by now, Armstead and Ramchek are both back. Armstead will be back. But it doesn't matter because the interior hasn't played very well lately. And it's not like the fucking Saints can do anything. It's going to be a lot of short passes. It's going to be a lot of Taysom Hill running. Taysom Hill running is not a concern because Devin White is kryptonite for running quarterbacks. He's not good at much, but he's very fast and he's very aggressive. Levante David can take Nick Vanette out of the fucking game. Levante David can spy a little bit on Taysom Hill. Levante David can help a lot with Alvin Kamara. Vita Vea, Dominican Sue, they will clog the middle. I mean, this game isn't worth really getting into. The only question is, do the Buccaneers win by more than 10? And I have to feel, actually, like they're going to want to run the score up simply because they can. This has kind of been the boogeyman for the Saints, or for the... The Saints have kind of been the boogeyman for the Bucs. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Up seven late in the game, they're looking to score one more time just to really fucking stick it to them because they've just been such a thorn in the side. That said, I've got four bets I really like and a couple leans. I'll throw Tampa minus 10 and a half as a lean, but let's not go crazy just yet. Again, this would be a drop dead leg were it not for the fact that it is the latest game on the slate that is actionable. All right, that does it for Sunday. I guess it's time to over to Monday night. 
we've got the Minnesota Vikings going to Chicago to play what was once my Chicago Bears. Bears are catching three and a half. They got the field goal and the hook. I want to stay away from this game because I think that both teams are overrated, but I don't think that the market is properly accounting for the fact that Justin Fields is a disaster. The Bears offensive line hasn't been great, but it won't matter too much because Minnesota can't get a pass rush. The Bears wide receivers are pretty good, but it won't matter because Justin Fields can't hit them. Matt Nagy certainly emptied the tank against the Packers and probably doesn't fucking care anymore. Meanwhile, the Bears defense is a fucking mash unit. Their defensive line is going to be Blackson, Tonga, and Bilal Nichols. Tonga is made up. Tyrus Tonga, that's his name? Kyrus Tonga, whatever. Yeah, he's a made up player. I've never seen him actually on the field. Angelo Blackson is a bad defensive tackle, and Bilal Nichols is actually okay. Bruce Irvin, yes, that Bruce Irvin, is slotted to start at defensive end, or, you know, linebacker. And then Robert Quinn has actually been great, so I won't talk any shit. Jalen Johnson can blanket Justin Jefferson all he wants. Let's say he totally fucking wins, like just takes him out of the game. The Bears can't stop Thielen, and he will be back. The Bears don't have a linebacker who's particularly competent, not good, but competent in coverage, so Conklin will eat at tight end. If you're going to look anywhere, you got to look Vikings minus three and a half, and I'll lean that way. I'll probably bet it in real life after I have all of my bets cashed this weekend, and I'm just looking to watch some football. But that is a rough game. That is a rough game. All right, so we've got the Chargers plus three on Thursday night. We've got Indianapolis minus two on Saturday night. Got Tennessee minus one and a half in the early slot on Sunday and Green Bay, our best bet, minus five in the late slot on Sunday. So we've basically got every slot covered. Now I'm tempted to take Cleveland minus three and tease it down to minus one and a half with one of those drop dead legs like Buffalo and make that our fifth bet. I know that you people will hate it because people hate when I bet on Cleveland, especially when they're shorthanded or when they have turmoil going. Instead, I'm tempted to do Denver. Both teams are fighting for their playoff lives. Both teams are similarly coached. Zach Taylor wants to run the ball, and he will learn the hard way that he really can't do that against this Denver team. Denver is built to take away the deep pass and the big receivers, which is all the Bengals have. I almost want to just put a half unit on Denver and a half unit on Cleveland and a half unit on Minnesota. Fuck it. We're going to do Tampa Bay minus 10 and a half. It's a motivation play because they can beat the Saints by whatever they want to beat them by. And I'm just betting that they're going to want to beat them by a lot. Our fifth and final bet of the week will be Tampa Bay minus 10 and a half. So one more time, Chargers plus three, Thursday night at 105 odds. Colts minus two, 110 odds, Saturday night. Sunday morning, we've got Tennessee minus one and a half. Sunday afternoon, we've got Green Bay, our best bet, minus five, 110. And we'll finish off Sunday night with Tampa Bay, minus 10.5, 110 odds. Shout out to my boy Alonzo, who will be there. Get your live bets in. You can always beat the book by about 10 seconds if you're on it. All right. I think that'll do it for our week 15, I guess it's the call, episode of Please Bet on Football Games. Tail or fade? I mean, you're going you're gonna to make money if you listen. You're going to lose it if you fade. But some of you deserve that fate. So I'll ask you one time nicely, please bet on football games. Austin.